It's only entertainment. Welcome back to the Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, capital markets analyst and host of your cannabis business podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a special edition of Cannabis Legalization News. We're in Washington State showing you how different it is from Illinois. This is a producer processor. Joining us is Seattle Bubbleworks. Thank you so much for letting us uh, tour your facility. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. It's fun showing you. State your name for the record, Joby. Hi, my name is Joby Sewell. I'm the owner of Seattle Bubbleworks, and we're just a processor at this point. Okay. Not a producer, just a producer. What's the distinction between processor and producer? Uh, A producer is someone who can grow and cultivate cannabis, Ah. and a processor is someone who takes that, prepares it, and packages it, and then delivers it to the stores. So if you only had a a producer license, you wouldn't actually be able to take products to stores. It's unique to Washington, I think. When you say producer, processor to any Mm -hmm. other market, they have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Why didn't you go, because you can't do vertically integrated, so you can't be a retailer even if you wanted to be, but why not grab that extra production to grow. What was uh, that? That was that was purely financial. Uh, I the grow the processing licenses are, are far cheaper, and uh, grow licenses now are a couple hundred thousand dollars. Which I, you know, huh. is that a couple hundred thousand dollars in build out or a couple hundred thousand dollars just to purchase the license? Uh, that's a, a couple hundred thousand dollars to purchase the license for like a tier three. Uh, the one there are some that are going like turnkey, and mm-hmm. those are far more expensive. How much? Uh, how many plants do you get for a, cl- a tier three license? Square footage. Oh, well, I'm getting a producer. I, I couldn't couldn't give you a solid number, but at a tier two, we you know I, I know we had a few thousand plants, so probably in that ten thousand plant range. I'm, I cool uh, mm-hmm. to say, but it's not as much as you think. It's a lot, but not. It still confines you mm-hmm. to a certain level of growth. Hmm. But we were talking before how, like, you were trying to do a flower as well, a grow, mm-hmm. and uh, you even faced, like, the hardships of people fighting you locally to, to, uh, yeah. to, to get established. Yeah. Like, local city governments. Yeah, local city governments and also local, like, prohibitionists, right? Yeah, like, there wasn't a lot of that. It, well, it was one person who decided to get on the, the, the city council and then fought me, but I heard that this individual fights everybody, but she mm-hmm. was... She, she seemed to have a vendetta for some reason. Right. Was it against you individually, or was it against the cannabis plant? Cannabis. Against cannabis. It was She didn't know me from Adam. Right. Because, I mean, that, that just shows that you've been through, going through hurdles in this 502 yeah. industry. Yeah. Absolutely. But it also, like, to the viewers that are tuning in, it also shows that, no, this prejudice against the cannabis plant, just because you're in your second decade of having legal cannabis in your state, it's still there, you know? NIMBY, the not my backyard, is a thing, especially out in mm-hmm. a place like Buckley where we're at, which is an hour away from Seattle, and it's a lot more. Um, and na- there's neighborhoods, and people have you know neighborhood committees, and those people have way too much time on their hands, and they're going to make sure that you know it's not my backyard, and they're going to hassle. It's hard enough finding retail space, anyways, and then paying mm-hmm. that extra amount that you're going to yeah. pay. And then just making something work that's not ideal, but just because you have to find a spot. All those hassles uh, in this space need to kind of go away and, and normalize, but not until uh, you don't have these these individuals making it more difficult. Yeah, there was, a, you know, to your point, there was a statement that was brought up a lot. Like, they didn't want to become Buckley, like, a big weed town. Like, mm-hmm. There was a fear that because they had a few processors and producers in their town that they were going to be known for that, and they didn't want that, you know. 
They don't like money. Because they don't. They don't like it. Well, success. I tried to express to them like I'm. I'm. I'm going to have 25 to 30 employees. They all live in your area. They're all renting. They're all buying things here. It, it is good for the economy. Even though I'm not selling retail product and making sales tax, my people are shopping and eating lunches around here. So there, there is yeah. a benefit. Sounds it. like an ego thing. What What are they known for now? Uh, uh, on the way to uh, Rainier, I guess. So they're they're. A th- Thoroughfare yeah. to Mount Rainier. Yeah, yeah, it's a cute town. I love the town. Uh, I love where, I love where the setting is beautiful. Out here. I, the, when you come into your place, mm-hmm. it is very nondescript. You can't even tell that it's a cannabis processing facility. Right. Uh, I just don't understand the prejudice against the plant. Probably because I like the plant, but <laughs> um, you know that people are that scared, and then you couldn't pick it out. At all, if it was like, well, where is this terrible blighted thing that you were so terrified of? Right. You know, give you three chances on a map. People would fail that test every time. Yeah, that that's intentional, and for the same reason is is just just so we don't stand out and the community doesn't get upset about it. We just stay as low key as possible, and for you know keep people from wanting to break in. Did they uh, require you to have an odor mitigation plan? I do. Yeah, nice. I do. Uh, it was much harder in Seattle uh, Seattle came after goes after all the people in their in their city that are growing and they'll get them paid we had to pay 1200 because I was in Seattle originally $1,200 to get them to just process and find out if we had an odor and we had oh, a cemetery shit. behind us a rec store to the right of us and a motel to the left of us and so there was nobody complained but they would come out and ask our neighbors is there a smell is there a smell is there a smell so they could find us and man yeah, it's the really smell of weed, like something that causes literally no harm to your health or to anyone. They're trying to ban that, even right. or ways of buying them so they can re- gener- generate revenue. That's generate revenue, bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. The city of Seattle is charging seventeen hundred dollars or something crazy. It's gone up, I think, uh, just to do business in the city. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, it's like, wow. You know, when you, it came out to like. 150 200 bucks a month extra in expenses that I had to pay just to do business and that's before you get Jack trying to get uh, shelf space at the retailer that you're not allowed to own yes a lot of this is farmland too you could go out to uh, Chelan County by Lake Chelan and they kind of drove everybody out because of the smell now is that hog farms uh, cows cows because we got a lot of chicken farms and hog farms where I live they stank. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they yeah. don't have an odor mitigation plan. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting, like, depending on where you go in the regions and their, their uh, protectionism. So there's also out in the, the Chelan Valley is uh, grape designation. So you're seeing kind of commodity flexing mm-hmm. where the, the, you know, we'll call it the grape industry, the wine industry yeah, yeah. is saying that the, these, uh, the Red Mountain, for example, right. has phenomenal terroir. And no yeah, it's an AZA. It's mm. mineral. Yeah. So that, that designation allows for them in the wine industry to have priority for that land. Nice. They're just basically trying to kick out cannabis. Well, couldn't that same argument be made for cannabis, though? Like, yes, wine? because very often the, yeah. the, the guests on the show that say if it grows good wine grapes, it probably also grows, grows really good co- uh, yeah. cannabis or yeah. coffee. Yeah. yeah, I would think so. What measure the soil and earth is going to be, yeah, that's going to be good nutrients for that. I mean, this plant just loves to suck things out, you know. But why hash, dude? Uh, why hash? Uh, well, I'm, I'm in my 50s, uh, so I, I am pre-dab. You know? <laughs> uh, uh, 
smoker, so I like natural flour. Um, I don't like, and this is all just personal, I don't like dabs because they kind of seem to affect me just in the frontal lobe. It's mm. just like a thumping. Uh, and, you know, it's a good high, but it's that's what it is. And it's so high in THC, and I think that you kind of lose something there. So yeah. in hash, we I like it because I, I do come from the wine industry, and, and I like... Uh, that I don't have to do anything to this, that this is just water uh, solvent, you know, we're just washing it, gathering it, drying it, sifting it, that's it. Uh, so it's a very natural high and it's a full body high. And I just, yeah. all the hash that I was seeing is was five star, $60 a gram hash. And I'm like, no, one, no one's gonna try that. Or only a few people will. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to bring a 20 to $25 version of hash to the market so people would try hash and might find that they really like it because I love the high in it. Yeah. I love it in joints. I love it on, on top of a sprinkle on top of a bowl of flour. Uh, you can press it into our temple wall, which is a Frenchy cannoli style. Uh, and that makes it a very shelf stable product and you can have old hash. Like Frenchy tasted us on some like 10 year old hash. Oh my it's God. Phenomenal. So we, you can make this you know, temple ball, and you can now you can get it to where it does bubble, and you can hit it on a dab rig, but it's going to leave a little dirty. Where'd, sure. you, where'd you learn to make hash? From Frenchy Canoli, directly. He has uh, he has programs, and he's open source, so I try to follow what he you know he was free to give out his information. He did you know charge us for the event, but he still will keep up with you afterwards and help you along the way. Uh, so I wanted to. Uh, do that style that he was doing. So I share share the information just like he does. Uh, yeah, it's just ice water the way he had it figured figured out, and then the freeze drying process to help hmm. make sure that it get all the moisture out as quickly as possible. The shelf space aspect of it. Yeah. Um, do you have to have an expiration date on your products? Not on not on ours. No. Fascinating. And so that's one of the aspects of the regulations. I know flour will have like uh, an expiration date. And so usually when you see the markdowns, it's them trying to get rid of products so they don't have to destroy it. But uh, if you're able to bypass that and have a very long shelf life, that uh, has that been a competitive advantage for your company? Not at this point because uh, I I do see it down the road being and uh, I have plans for that. Um, but at this point, it, it isn't. People are still learning what our hash product is. They they won't. They don't care that it has shelf stable life. Uh, but they are they are interested in uh, the the hash style for its you know gooiness and stuff. They're not the shelf stable part isn't is important yet. But they used to have to have a in a sense a born on date on your package. Like when was this product harvested? And that was required on all labels. And that has been removed. Which I'm not happy about. I don't like to just. I don't want to. I don't want us as an industry to do what other industries do, where they try to sneak stuff by the consumer. I don't like that. It's mm-hmm. like why not say when it was harvested because it is a fresh commodity, mm. uh, flour itself. And so yeah. you know that if if you put that on there, the the I think the industry would self-regulate on on how long something would be on the shelf because yeah. no one's going to want to buy weed that's been on the shelf for six months. It's all about consumer awareness, right? Like the more right. people know and, yeah. and they can say make a decision based off it also. People are stupid wanting to smoke just the cheapest weed or the highest THC weed. But you know, back to hash though, it's, hash is like this uh, ideal of like, uh, it's funny, we see it like all the shake and the other places we've been in, and, and then you're like, oh, just this plant, you can take the bud, 
turn that until you get your pipe and then also take the shake and then get the keef off and, and, and compress it to, to make the hash great. Is it a bubble hash that you're making? Is yes. that what that's concerned is? Yes. Yeah. What makes this something a bubble hash? My understanding, and, and you know, the, these are not uh, scientifically uh, defined terms, uh, but from my understanding is when you put the hash in, on bud or whatever and you fire it up, it should bubble. Hmm. So bubble. And is that from the, the process of making it? Because there's other hash that doesn't bubble. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's a very, the, the, the things that make that variant is, are the, uh, is, is the hash that we can get out of a certain plant can not bubble at all. Just, just from one strain, it just is like that. Hmm. And others, like we talked about, very oily. Uh, so that's part of it. The other part is when you do your five bag system is separating out all the different micron levels so that you get the best micron levels. Mm. So when, when you when we separate out ours and put it in the freeze dryer, it's separated by micron so that when it comes out, we can test them. So and the higher microns, you'll have more plant material and at the bottom, you'll have more of your uh, hash, your... Uh, uh, theoretically, yes. Uh, but it also has to do with it, the middle range, like the 73 micron to 90 is usually where the, the money is. So, so to speak, the best stuff is somewhere in there. It can be different, but we we separate out that for this. So when we sell it as a gram of hash, we take the best possible part of that and make and put it into that. And if it doesn't bubble or do, if we don't like it, we don't put it in there. And then the rest goes into joint production because the uh, higher microns that you're talking about, uh, they don't bubble. Mm-hmm. But they smolder and ash really nicely. So when you're mm-hmm. put them in a joint, it doesn't run, it doesn't mm-hmm. droop, it doesn't get all the way. We can we can put in that hash all the way throughout the flower and mix it in, and it doesn't goo up. Mm-hmm. So it smokes really smoothly. I think that's why people like our hash. What uh, THC percentage are you getting in those uh, those micron bags? That you say are like really the yeah. sweet spot of bubble hash. Yeah. Well, uh, again, that's it's it's. I have found that every strain is different. Every grower is different, whether it's indoor, outdoor. Any, there's no rules. I mean, I get some of the. We had 84% tested THC bubble hash made from outdoor Western wow. Washington grow, wow. which is crazy. And then I've done indoor that tested at 50, you know. Wow. But then I've also done indoor that tested 70. So it's like it. It really depends on the strain, who's growing it, how it's grown. Uh, the type of hash it is. We, we sat in a dry sift uh, hash place yesterday, and their stuff, because it's a different method of preparation, it's not the bubble and the water uh, water solvent, it was just dry sift. So, you know, uh, the keef at the bottom right. of the, the trim jar, uh, that was coming in at about 40%. Right. And I think it just has to do uh, with more plant material being in there. So mm-hmm. the, those ones that you put into the, uh, the joints, are those coming in a little bit lower mm-hmm. at THC? Mm-hmm. Okay. Besides the THC, though, are you also like, are the terpenes are they full in there? Like, is that included like in the hash? Are you getting like a? We small... haven't. We don't. Everything that if we want to do a test on terpene profiles, yeah. it just costs more money. Yeah, and it's it's already 
mar- you know, because of the way the system is set up, margins are so slim we have to cut. So we do terpene tr- uh, profiles occasionally, and we've gotten some good numbers back. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are terpenes in there, but uh, we haven't been monitoring that. Yeah. I'd like to at some point, but it just hasn't. Well, you guys managed to be cost-effective. I mean, the reason why I knew about you guys when I cut your joint open was because, like, this joint was cheap. It was good. Right. I was like, I'm going to fucking take this apart and see what's inside. And it was really right. nice to see, like, all the, the key. It was really yeah. nice mixed in there with nice flour. And it was really oh, yeah. I, I'm more than happy to show you. We, we use indoor bud for the uh, for the flour joints, mm. for all the joints. And then the hash is usually really good quality hash uh, for for the for the joints as well. And, and as a as a entrepreneur, with the fact that I am independent, this, this you know how we talked about that, uh, where I don't necessarily owe anybody any money means that I don't have to answer to anybody telling me how much money I have to make. Yeah. So I'm trying to come up with a great product at a great price that's clean, no pesticides, organic, and it's competitive. And so because I don't, I'm not greedy, I don't need to make a ton of money, which I'm not. Um, yeah. My wife would, would tell you that. Um, <laughs> but uh, it allows me to be competitive you know, and, and yeah. I'm not about I'm not about trying to uh, make a ton of money off this product at this time. It's like get in the industry, hold my space, and be prepared for when the big boys yeah. come, and try and eke out as much market share as I can. There's some good um, strategy there too because solventless we've seen in several markets where like Oregon mm-hmm. where they took all of them off the market in 2015 and they weren't really sure. Um, so you've got something that can sit on a shelf, and as long as it doesn't get oxygen, it's not going to degrade. I don't know if light degradation it will mm-hmm. affect the turkey. Light degradation is not great. Okay. But outside of that, you've got a long shelf stable product coupled mm-hmm. with uh, the regulatory risk that you don't have to worry about come uh, FDA time when they determine if PHO and BHO are, are relevant uh, mm-hmm. or, or legal. Yeah. So right. all of those things are stacking up to be quite nice because it's a simple process. It's not over uh, burdening on, on future regulations. Um, and so there's a lot of upside to hash aside from being full plant extract and having that right. full body high uh-huh. and all of those reasons that I like it. Um, so, I mean, I think you're in a, in a pretty good position. I hope so. I, I, I also just love hash. Yeah, <laughs> I love the high. You know, it's just very relaxed. I have two kids, wife. I I want to go home. I don't want to get so high that I can't think mm-hmm. uh, and deal with whatever issue I got to deal with. But I want to be able to be comfortable and relaxed. Yeah, yeah. You need to be present so that you can still kind of communicate. Yeah, I mean, I'm not doing it in so... front of them. I'm talking about like at night when they go to bed. But you know, kids, I get up in the middle of the night and like, you know, I don't want to be like obviously baked. Right. Yeah. I'm yeah. a big fan of hash for still all those reasons. Still functional. Yeah. Still functional. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So then, um, uh, how are the margins then in this industry? Are they being compressed? And if oh, so, uh, where is, where's all the compression coming from? Taxation. The it's taxation. Very, it's really simple. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and the, the the system is set up so that forty five percent, I think it is, with once you throw in sales tax, is what goes to the state. So just so now, imagine you're selling a twenty dollar bag of weed. Mm-hmm. $20. Of that $20, eight of it or more is going to the state. So now you're at 12 So what does that retailer have to buy that for to make even just a standard 30% margin? You're talking eight, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, that's what they have to buy for minimally. 
So, you know, if, if you can just see the numbers right there. I mean, they're, yeah. and, and they're trying to get it down for seven because they're, they don't have anything they can write off. The electricity, their POS system, their employees, everything that they do is taxed on after-profit dollars. So they're losing, you know, mm-hmm. if they're paying somebody $10 an hour. I mean, obviously, that's like $15 an hour. They're paying an extra 30% because that's taxed. So it, that just puts so much pressure. So what do you think about uh, the United States plan to legalize it so that that pressure of IRC 280E is going to go away for the retailer, but suddenly it's going to be 10% tax, and then the next year will be 15, and then the year after that will be uh, 20, and then the year after that will be 25% tax? Right. Are we going to be in the same place It just yes. replace IRC 280E with this onerous new tax? Yes. Oof. But, but it, it'll, it'll all be on top of what you, I, I don't know... Uh, I don't know what everyone else thinks, but I believe that our industry is going to be taxed and hammered for years because of that. The, the government can look at it and go, okay, there's enough people out here who don't like it. We can tax the tar out of it, and no one's going to complain because we'll take it away, right? So you have that's and they're drunk on the money. I mean, there's this state is so drunk on the ta- uh, on the tax money. Yeah. And you guys just have to go to the general fund. You don't have it go to like schools or something? No, no, no we do. Oh, we do. Yeah, no, I have a great story for oh, you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where's the tax dollars for uh, so, marijuana in uh, Washington State going? It's, going? it's going to lots of different programs that are really great programs. So after the first year, they invited us all to come to a meeting, all the others, and I went to it. Um, and they came out and said, oh, these numbers are great. Look at this. Look at these all these graphs on sales up through the roof. And... They said, so, you know, we've got so much money. We're just going to take that 18% that goes to the general fund. We're just going to double that to 36%. I'm like, okay, it's over. They're not not ever letting go of that. And and didn't cannabis pass apples to Washington State Hmm? this past year? Cannabis as a state commodity. I think it passed apples. It's definitely, you know, you can go to 502data.com and you can see exactly how much money the state's made. And whenever people come to me and go, oh, you guys are making so much money in the industry, I'm like, here you go, look at the tax money. The state's making the money, the companies are not. Companies are struggling because of it. We can't get, I have $3 million in sales and I can't get a line of credit. I can't even get a car loan personally because I'm tied to marijuana. I can't refinance my home. Yeah. Yep. To take money out for the business. But yet you have employees that you pay a living wage, which is... I, I try. It's yes. crazy, though. I mean, like, do you have to yeah. pay them in cash, or do you at least no. have treasury services? We, we have banking services okay. through Timberland Bank, and they've been really great uh, to work with, but it's it's far more expensive than you would think yeah, it should sure. be. Mm-hmm. So, like, what if we created a holding company and tried to get them a line of credit, and then they would rent... To you, yes, you, th- that's what a lot of people are doing. Okay. Uh, so you can do that kind of stuff. It's just if the bank finds out and doesn't like it, you know, mm-hmm. like, like we've had people here early on that were going through, you know, Bank of America with their checking account, trying to go quiet, and then yeah. this they would seize their funds and close their account. Wow. So you know, I just yeah. I've just been going. I, I the nice thing is not getting a line of credit is a bummer, but it's also a godsend. So I don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're in a good position, though. I mean, to, to it really seems like you guys really one care for the plant, what you're doing, and then two, and your employees, they're all happy. And well, that's because uh, he brought in uh, uh, French cannoli to teach him <laughs> how to do it. Yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, no, French, French is great. Uh, well, you know, I'm a 
shouldn't say it, but I'm, I'm a progressive person yeah. uh, politically, and I believe in social networks, you know, safety nets that help people. And so if I'm going to be an entrepreneur, I've always believed that companies could behave that way, where they take care of their employees. You know, like, yeah. you don't ever hear anybody complain about working at Costco. Right. You know, like, you can take care of your employees, make them happy. Happy employees produce better and yeah. stay longer. It, it actually makes more sense financially. So yeah. I try to do that as much as possible because, it, it, it again, margins are tight, so yeah. it's hard to pay everybody what I'd like to. I hate to, to hear about employees that are struggling to make it. Mm. You can't sucks. try to access capital to grow your business because yeah. I'm from Illinois. I can't say, like, I want to invest in your business because I'm not from Washington, right? Well, I, I, there are ways around that now. I haven't looked into them, but it's such a long process. It's like if I had immediate needs, it would be impossible to get the cash mm. like, wow. it would take me four months or yeah. whatever a long time however period of time so I might as well just go through it on my own is the way I've decided yeah what's your what's your uh, thoughts on expansion into um, either west coast markets or the new new entries on the east coast what's your thoughts on expanding the brand and bringing bubble hash nationwide I would I that that is my long term goal I, I mean I have a sales background so I, uh, I I've seen it from the wine side I kind of saw how brands would build out and go nationally I remember seeing the Washington wine markets opening up in, in Florida and things like that and the pushes that they made so I, I definitely want to do that uh, again it's it's capital if if I had the capital I would have already done it um, I go to I go into Vegas and tried to find bubble hash couldn't find it are you open to, up to strategic partnerships that you don't have to have capital, but working with existing markets in like Illinois or their yeah, it was like a franchising thing, yeah. license IP. Yeah, I'm definitely, absolutely. I, I've got I've got a lot of things that have worked out. I'm, you know, we would probably take off the Seattle Bubble Works part and just go Bubble Works. Mm-hmm. Um, but every market that I've been to that has cannabis, Colorado, California, Oregon, Nevada, you know, hash is impossible to find and when you find it, it's super expensive and it's yeah, meh. yeah. well uh, I do got a guy that needs um, processing and so he's probably gonna be making about mm, 1200 pounds of trim a year how much bubble hash with 1200 pounds of trim a year make again depending upon the quality of that it's, it's hard to guess but I would probably estimate if it's on good indoor trim seven to nine Seven to nine percent return. Percent return over all micro. I would need math. <laughs> yeah, I would need a piece of paper and so, a calculator. Just you know, the, for for base for base assumptions, I use ten percent because it's just super easy. That's math. what's in my model. Yeah, you use ten percent, but I have found it's more like it can vary. You can get in that twelve to fourteen to eighteen percent returns, and you can get four percent. You know, so it. When, when, when hash goes bad, yeah. it's bad all the way around. But higher, when we're cost, trying to build no out uh, an extraction facility, and we have options of you know hydrocarbon extraction, mm-hmm. uh, CO2 extraction, mm-hmm. or uh, water solvent or sure. solventless, you know, just dry sift. Uh, which is the most uh, cost effective to start? Water hash. Water hash? Yeah. Nice. My, my, let's say you wanted to run machines like you saw me run those, get them on Amazon Prime, Amazon Prime for $60, 70 bucks, so you get four of those, you add some hosing. Yeah, why would I buy the $250,000, you know, super critical CO2 extractor then? Right. Huh. I mean, if, if you want to make CO2, it's great. I like CO2, it's good. But if you want, if you're talking about you don't have much money, hash that's right. your way. 
because I don't have a lab tech. And then you're going to have to uh, create oil, you're going to have to winterize it, you're going to have to make an uh, isolate, and then you're going to make gummies. F that. Yeah, with, with the hash, you just did the, the most expensive part is the freeze dryer. Freeze dryer. Wow. Uh, now, the freeze dryer, that's dry ice or? or no, it's just it's a, it's a freeze dryer. I'll take you out and show you the machine. Cool. Uh, harvest dry. Freeze dryer. How much are those ones? About four grand. That's it? Wow. Man, and you can like create your own. That's like three lights issue around that. So, have you seen Space Weed up in Bellingham? <laughs> no. So they're using kind of oh, freeze dried. Yeah, 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 yeah. Freeze dried weed, and yeah. it's really interesting too. It is interesting. It, it's very, very light, and the the high is kind of unique too. Yeah. But everything about that Space Weed is interesting. If you haven't tried, yeah, that, no, I remember when it first came out, he gave it's me really some to sample. Yeah, because he was going to see if it I wanted to, to to run it. Oh, mm. interesting. Yeah, we just. We never hooked up again, so I never ran any. I, th I think he was noticing that that if he was going to run it for hash, that it's not, there's not a lot of money, mm, right? Because right. it's again, yeah. if you're running on the ten percent thing, if it costs you a dollar a gram to buy the product, that's ten dollars cost of goods, straight off, no labor, no nothing, just ten bucks. So it makes it difficult. Before we roll this one up, want to know what you would do differently or advice that you would give to somebody in a new market going through the same process. Anything you do differently or advice for somebody that's going to start? Uh, do different, man, thousands of things. But <laughs> I don't think you can really avoid that. You, you, the, the advice I would give and, and what I've told people when they say, how did, how did you make you know, good money? I just consciously decided I wasn't going to stop. And that every time I stumbled, I just, and this was really odd to me, I mean, here I am a stoner, it's going to sound like a stoner thing, but when I would get to a place where I didn't know what the hell I was going to do, how I was going to pay this bill, how I'm going to do this, I just would relax and go, it's going to come to me, it's going to, I'm going to figure this out and I'm just going to keep going. And within hours or within days, the answer came. And it was just when I just relaxed and just said, I'm just going to keep going and nothing's going to stop me. Um, that's how I think I found success. Just or, or on the verge of finding even. It's like the law of attraction. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, you create your own reality and yeah. you know, manifest your own your own world. I think in, to a degree, and I just decided I wasn't going to stop. I, I was. I just had it working for corporate companies in the wine business and liquor business. I'd had it working for retailers. I'd had it working with other people that. I just, I knew in my heart that I had a good idea on how to do things, and so I just trusted that. That's awesome. I know it's, it also helps to have a lot of money, but if you don't have a lot of money, sometimes you just gotta, I'm just gonna slug through it. Did you say that the easiest way to become a millionaire is to start with a billion? Yeah, yeah, but the old, I think the wine thing is how do you, how do you um, make a small fortune in the wine business, start with a large one. You know, and that cannabis industry is gonna be very much the same. Oh gosh, especially with all the regulations. Yeah. Because like right now, in, op in markets like Illinois, like I, I don't think we would have been able to get the license and like to have cleared you for this facility. I think we right. would have gotten deked and then there would have been so many more things because this type of license would be like a, an infuser license that they call it in Illinois. And, and I have no idea what the state is going to require, but they've handed out all these licenses. The regulations are particularly onerous. And now we're just going to have to kind of see how, how many hurdles they're going to have to get over. And that's great. You make it over that hurdle. Now you're still in cash and you're still double taxed mm -hmm. and you're, you're 20 times more likely to be audited. 
How uh, how is your accounting department doing? <laughs> well, the first uh, first year was me and uh, the guy I called earlier. He's one of my best friends since we were like seven, and we got into this together. Uh, we were fumbling through it, but I hired a CFO and. Uh, I have a chief operations officer now, and, and they have got the books really tight. So, yeah, because it was, it was a nightmare, yeah. nightmare. Uh, yeah, it was a nightmare. Well, it sounds like you guys are about to go through, like, the wash and eggs of pains of how much money can you give me to get through this? Because, you know, I mean, how many times besides the pushback from the city, I mean, how many other hurdles did you have to go through that just to finally get to a point that you're just comfortable at least? I don't know what comfortable looks like, <laughs> but yeah, it's constant hurdles. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've had there's a lot of solidarity between between processors and the guys I work with, and you know, I've got great relationships with, and it's it's industry wide. Like at first, I'm like, God, am I just messing this up? Am I just stupid? Why can't I figure this out? And then I talk to them, and they'd be like, Oh, I, don't, I haven't figured anything out either. Like you know, we're all just. We all struggled together, but yeah. I'll be honest, I think that was one of the things the state got, right, was allowing people like me and people like some of my friends that are in this industry that are just regular everyday people that didn't have a lot of money were able to jump in and give it a shot, which yeah. is, you know, it's the American dream, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, these other states where they're just like New York's going to charge hundreds of thousands of dollars for their, for their licenses, and so it's going to be big business. It's not yeah. going to be mom and pops, and that's... That's where the great cannabis has grown, just like with the great wine. It's yeah. grown by small families yeah. versus big corporations. What are some links? Where can people find you at? Social media, website, what's uh, <laughs> we're, we're getting that going. We have Facebook, uh, we have Instagram, and I just hired a guy to specifically start pushing them. You know, again, I'm 50. I'm not so great with that stuff. I, I wish I could get my daughter to do it. She's 15. Yeah. She'd be all over it. But uh, I don't think I'd, I'd be in trouble with that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, so we're, we're getting all that going. It's just it's something where I have lagged personally. It's, all right. it's yeah. a shame space for me. Well, see how the bubble works. Google it. Yes. Yep. Great joints, though. I can tell you that much. Thanks, guys. I yeah, appreciate man. it. All right. Cool. Uh, I guess you're supposed to remind people to like and subscribe. And if you have any questions about hash, bubble hash, or anything, drop them in the comments. Yeah. All right. We're out. Yep. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out. And check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. How do cannabis CEOs balance growth and optimization strategies? What is THCO, Delta 10, and CBNA, and why should you care about these minor cannabinoids? And why isn't the endocannabinoid system covered in medical school? Most people think they're up to date in trends in the cannabis industry, but they're about six weeks behind. Learn about what is truly next in the cannabis space by joining myself, Brian Fields, and Kellen Finney every week on the Dime Podcast, and of course, on PodConnects.